For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So I've been battling a head cold all week, and I spent most of Thursday hopped up on cold medicine. Still, I didn't see the things that I saw at Stanford Stadium against UCLA on Thursday night. Did I? God, what a weird, weird game that was. Well, I don't know how much sense we're going to make of it, but we'll certainly try our best. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Thank you for joining us on Friday, October 18th. 2019. I'm in Detroit, Clarity. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And um, not the result, not the outcome Stanford was looking for as UCLA comes in and ends an 11 game losing streak against the Cardinal. Bruins 34, Cardinal 16. We'll break it all down. We'll get help from David Shaw. You'll hear his thoughts sprinkled throughout the show. You'll also hear post game chats with Stanford quarterback Jack West, Stanford linebacker Casey Tuhill and Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker. Plus, we'll give you three things you need to know about Stanford football right now, and we'll go stock up, stock down. So a lot to get to. Hopefully my voice holds up. (laughs) A lot to uh, accomplish on the TreeCast this week. Of course, a couple quick reminders. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. You can also uh, subscribe, rate, and review the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. Thanks for having us along uh, for the ride. You know, before the game on a Thursday afternoon, I was with uh, Larry Kruger, who hosts uh, Stanford Football uh, pregame shows. Uh, good to be back on KMBR 1050's Airwaves after uh, hosting that show, that particular show myself for a few years. Uh, always good to uh, to be back with uh, Stanford Football and on the air on KMBR 1050. That was pretty cool, but... Larry and I wrapped up our chat on the air with him basically saying that, look, you know, Stanford's going to have a cakewalk, right? You know, this should be a pretty easy win for Stanford over UCLA, right? And I was like, well, no. Look, Stanford's got a third-string quarterback. They've got three true freshmen on the offensive line. At that time, we didn't know if Curtis Robinson was going to be healthy enough and inside linebackers. That was still in some question. And plus, it's Stanford football. They don't like to make things easy. Little did I know. Little did I know. Now, UCLA was up quickly, 14-3. Then Stanford got a block punt for a touchdown in the late first quarter, made it 14-10. And for a brief moment, I thought it might be setting up like 2017 between Stanford and UCLA. You might remember, Bruins were up 13-6, driving for a field goal, and then Harrison Phillips blocked the kick, and that fueled Stanford as they outscored UCLA 52-21 the rest of the way on route to a 58-34 win. And I was thinking, okay, all right, maybe it's setting up pretty much the same way two years later. Instead, Stanford went punt, 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 half, punt, punt, fumble, downs, downs, punt, and then finally touchdown. Ugly, weird game. Just a weird, strange game. And the whole night felt weird. No atmosphere, 
you know, Thursday night, 6 o'clock p.m. kickoff. I'm not sure, you know, you're going to get a lot of, certainly it's not, not going to be a full stadium at the start of the game with traffic being what it is and people having jobs and things like that. I get it. I get it. But no atmosphere at all in the stadium. It was just weird. Like, like the whole game was being played in the vacuum. Again, maybe it was the cold medicine. Who knows? Who knows? But just a strange, strange game overall. Let's get you three things that you need to know about Stanford football right now. And we begin with number one. Well, you know how football works. When it comes to players, the quarterback gets the lion's share of credit in wins and shoulders the bulk of the blame in the losses. And so it is for, for young quarterback Jack West, sophomore thrown into the spotlight with the injuries to K.J. Costello and Davis Mills. It, it, it did not go his way. And, and even in some moments of Stanford's opening drive, which they went down and got a field goal, uh, there were even still some moments in that first drive. But certainly as the evening went along, uh, Jack looked uneven, hesitant, confused at times, and unable to move the ball when it mattered most. That performance led to this exchange with David Shaw and a reporter during the postgame press. Did you ever consider making a change in quarterback in the postgame game? No. Well, I guess why not? Because I think it's really important to have the quarterback in the game. Yeah, I think it's really important to have the quarterback in the game. We'll see. We'll see. Stanford does have an extra couple of days to get quarterbacks healthy, but here were Jack West's final numbers, 15 to 34, 143 yards, was sacked seven times, and threw seven straight incompletions at one point. Unfortunately for Jack West, his debut went south. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Let's move on to number Stanford's injury epidemic continues, and now it's starting to hit key players and special teams. Now, Jet Toner is hurt. That's right. The kicker. Jet got hurt on the ensuing kickoff after Stanford's uh, field goal on the opening drive. David Shaw not happy with that development. Losing Jet Toner early in the game was, was really difficult. It's not often that you see a, a kicker um, uh, get hit uh, on a kickoff. So uh, I need to see that film and see how that happened. Um, but Ryan Sanborn came in and was outstanding. Um, kickoffs. Um, you know, and punts handled both extremely well. Um, kudos to young freshmen for stepping up uh, and making makes a big plays for us. Yeah, it, it seemed that uh, Jet Toner got blocked and landed awkwardly at the end of the return uh, for UCLA. And, and, and yeah, Ryan Sanborn did pretty well. More on that a bit later on in the show. But it's just further proof that no one in a Cardinal uniform is safe and immune from the injury epidemic. Is it, is it a pandemic now? I'm, I'm not quite sure my uh, uh, my terms in that department. Epidemic or pandemic? But no one is immune. I know that for Stanford football, it seems, this year. Quarterbacks, offensive linemen, uh, inside linebackers, and now kickers. Unreal. Unreal. Now, not all the special teams news was bad last night, which brings us to number three. And the highlight, arguably, for Stanford all night long was a blocked punt for a touchdown late in the first quarter. Spencer Jorgensen, uh, with help from a couple of friends, coming straight up the middle and blocking the UCLA punt. Jorgensen blocked it, 
Bryson Tremaine recovered it. David Shaw explains. Every week, Coach Almar, um, make sure we find a couple returns and, and one or two blocks that we think can work uh, based on uh, how they protect what they do. Um, in this group, um, they, they like to roll their group a little bit, and um, sometimes they block it straight, sometimes they roll it one way or the other. Uh, and our guys um, you know if they rolled it the way that we could try to block it, and if they stayed straight, there was another way we could try to block it. Uh, but what it took is anytime you get a block hit like that, it's the guy who blocked it, but usually the guys right next to him that did their job so that he can get, get through. Um, so it's a great job by those guys. We worked that uh, multiple times this week, and it's great to see it happen for us. Yeah, it's, it's Stanford's first blocked punt touchdown in two years. Came against Oregon uh, a couple of years ago. So that was that was certainly nice to see. And, and, and by and large, special teams continues to show encouraging great things and, and has improved throughout the year. Toner a little bit shaky at times with some of his field goal kicking earlier this year. That's certainly trended upwards over the last few weeks. Don't know if that's going to return now that uh, Toner uh, appears to be on the shelf maybe for a while. We don't know. We'll probably get more confirmation on that uh, early next week. Uh, special teams uh, return in the return game making better decisions. There were some times where Michael Wilson really struggled. It was, fun, it was uh, fielding punts inside his own 10-yard line. That really seems to have turned around. And now they're making big plays with blocking kicks as well. That's always, always a good thing. So special teams trending upwards. I'm sure that Pete Alomar, the Stanford special teams coach, is very happy about that. Those are three things. Just a strange, strange night. It just didn't feel right. You know, and again, again, maybe it was all the cold medicine that I was on on Thursday night. And I'm still on as I speak here on Friday morning. I got to shake this thing, man. I got a, I got a soccer game to call on Saturday night. Stanford versus UCLA, number two versus number 16. That's always fun on the Pac-12 Network, 7 p.m., be there. I get my voice ready for that. But just a strange night. And, it's a, and Stanford's 11-game uh, win streak against UCLA ends with a thud. It, it's tough to see. And it would have... It would have been one thing if UCLA had just come in and just soundly beaten Stanford right from the start, but this was mostly Stanford leaving so much on the table and, and not playing anywhere near to its capabilities, it seemed. Then again, maybe Stanford did play to its capabilities last night as comprised. That's a thought that just popped up into my head and one that that perhaps doesn't really pertain well for Stanford going forward. We'll talk more about that uh, in future editions of the TreeCast. But just a tough way for that streak to end. And hopefully no more long winning streaks for Stanford end this year. I'm circling November 23rd on my calendar. Haven't talked much about the defense to this point. We'll do that here and now. And it was an all-or-nothing night for the Cardinal defense. They they stabilized after some early struggles. Bruins went right through them, the first two offensive drives, uh, getting touchdowns on each of those possessions. But they stabilized after those early struggles and forced three straight punts. Paulson Debo made an interception on just a terrible decision or maybe even a miscommunication uh, from a Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the UCLA quarterback. But... Stanford defensively also allowed an 85-yard touchdown drive and also the 54-yard touchdown run by Joshua Kelly. Uh, that's all to do the way for UCLA. 
Casey Tuhill, as usual, doing his best all over the field, in the backfield, making big plays, trying to make big plays. But afterwards, Tuhill was quite frustrated, and understandably so. He met with the media after the game, and, and his postgame availability begins with, with his reaction to the defense responding after giving up those two touchdowns on the first two drives. I thought we responded decently, um, but it doesn't really matter, honestly, because we still gave up, I mean, too many big plays. We still gave up that touchdown at the end. That was disappointing. Um, but, you know, I, I think we had, we had some moments, but, again, like, no one wants to write about our moments, right? We gave up, we gave up um, 34 points. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I think there were, there were some things to build on, but we need to start building on those things faster. How tough is it to kind of like fight human nature for guys to try to make big plays when, when they know that momentum needs to be turned because it's all contained loss sometimes and guys maybe not doing their jobs? Sure. I mean, I think, yeah, it is, it is human nature. You want to help your team, but the best thing you can do is help your team by doing your job. And, I mean, we've seen that all year. We saw that in the Washington game. When we play our best defense, we do our job. And then you make plays in the framework of doing your job. And, I mean, that's not hard. That's just... Um, rushing, getting the ball out, things we need to do more of. But yeah, it really just comes down to doing our jobs. Casey Thompson Robinson is a great player in his own right, but how frustrating is it when you guys, when he's dropping back to pass, you guys are almost getting to him, you see him dance away, and, and now he's 15, 20 yards. Extremely frustrating. I mean, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing I hate more than missing a quarterback, but I mean, he's, he's a talented kid, and a couple times, I mean, we let him kind of shimmy on through the A and B gaps, and that's on us. We've got to have some better rushes. We've got to be aware. Um, but, yeah, I mean, talented guy, really, really good at moving in the pocket, and we, we probably uh, just should have focused more on that early on in the game. What's the sense of frustration like coming off your best game of the season as a team? To, to come out with, with this one tonight. Sure. I mean, it's never it's never great when you take a step back, right? Because yeah, I thought we had some good momentum after that game was feeling good, and then we just came out and didn't perform. But I mean, I think that's a really good lesson for us. I think that's something we really got to build off of because this is the Pac-12. I mean, no team's offense is going to lay down because we had a good game last week. UCLA is really talented. I mean, Chip Kelly is a great coach. They have a great scheme. And I mean, they, they put up a lot of points on us. And we should have been, we, um, we should have been better uh, we should have just executed better, but uh, we, we just didn't tonight. You, you can just hear the frustration in Casey Tuhill's voice. He had a nice night, another one, eight total tackles and, and three quarterback hurries and, and really, really made things a little bit tougher for, for Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, for stretches of the night. But as he noted, not enough, not enough. And that sentiment reflected in the uh, frustration in uh, Casey Tuhill's voice as he talked to us in the media after the game. Meanwhile, no one had a more frustrating night than Jack West. Boy, and, and there were a lot of things that it, it set up quite nicely for him in, in some ways, right? You know, a big opportunity for him. National spotlight, you know, Thursday night game on ESPN. High-profile opponent in UCLA. You know, that, that, even though that program has struggled over the last few years, that name still has some, has some cachet nationwide. And the defense... Uh, for the Bruins that that didn't look impressive on paper, but West unable to convert to convert and capitalize those opportunities. It just it just wasn't his night, and it almost started right from the beginning. Jack West met with the media afterwards, and his 
chat with us began with me asking him to sum up his evening. I got to play better. Uh, end of the day, um, I've got to put my team in uh, better situations, especially on second, third down, more manageable uh, downs. So. How's the communication with the offensive line? I know they have so many guys you know, filling in right now. Do you feel that, that that's been a struggle, or do you feel that you guys made some strides? In you know, Coach, Coach Pritchard and Coach Shaw, as well as Coach Carberry, are huge on communication. Um, that's one of, one of our main goals every week um, is, is to communicate clearly, and, and that's a big part of our offense, which is much as we check at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think we communicated well, um, but tonight it just came down to execution. Uh, which is what uh, we didn't do so well enough. You guys had a really strong first drive. Kicking the goal then was kind of tough going after that. Was there anything to change after the first drive? Um, you know, I think uh, it just comes down to me me playing better and putting us in, in more manageable down and distances. Um, you know, and, 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 and there's a lot to learn from, um, which I will do. And uh, But, yeah, to, to answer your question, it's just, it's just uh, getting us into more manageable, you know, second, third downs, not getting behind the sticks as much after first down. You kind of expect them to come after you as aggressively as they did Gilman. You were making the start tonight. Um, you know, it's 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 something it's 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 something you always prepare for. Um, you know, and, and I felt like we were we had a good plan in. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's me making my first start. Um, so, you know, we weren't surprised by it. Um, it was more so, like I said, we just didn't execute when we needed to. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what we got to do to to win the ball game. So. What changes when you're the star, when you're the guy? What sort of things change? How do you approach? Um, yeah. So, so I guess number one, uh, you, for me personally, I'm always preparing to be the guy. Um, every week, um, every time I get a rep at practice, I, I'm doing it as if I'm the guy. Um, this week happened to be that week. Um, and, and as far as the game goes, uh, obviously there's nothing like game experience. I've gotten to play a little bit here and there, a little bit last year and last week against Washington. Um, but there's nothing quite like going out there and, and getting a start, you know. Um, and so, like I said, uh, it's something to learn from tonight, um, and I will, and, and I'll get better from it. Yeah, it's a learning experience. That That's all he can do right now. That's the only, only approach that he can take right now, just chalk it up, dust himself off, and get himself ready for his next opportunity if and when that might come. West struggled, as mentioned, looked hesitant at times. Um, you know, took a took a rollout pass and had had his guy open in the flat, but for whatever reason, didn't didn't trust it enough and didn't throw the ball. Ended up getting sacked. Uh, just just did not perform up to the standard that that I'm sure the coaches would have liked him to perform, and 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 did not have the night that he would have liked to have had. Now that being said. West didn't get a lot of help, did he? Not from up front. He was sacked seven times. Now, again, with varying degrees of fault, you know, some on the offensive line, some on the quarterback, and maybe one or two on the receiving unit as well. Not from the running backs. They struggled to pick up yards. Granted, the Bruin defense was was stacked up against the was, was stacking guys in the box, but it's not like it's not like they had the 2001 Bruin defense running around out there for them. That was a good, good squad. Stanford shredded them, by the way, uh, and, and not from any real offensive adjustments. It seemed along the way, you know, things started off pretty well. 
highlighted and punctuated by a 30-yard screen pass to Connor Weddington, where we saw Tucker Fisk start in a normal tight end position on the right side, then go in motion over towards the left, and then sprint out back towards the right to get him out wide so he could lay a key block to spring Weddington for a 30-yard gain on the screen pass. Remember we talked about Tucker Fisk and some varying roles that he might be taking uh, in, the, in the near future for Stanford going forward. We saw that on that play. Well-designed play. And I went, huh, all right. We didn't really see anything the likes of that for the remainder of the game. Offensive adjustments seemed to be relatively few and far between. And, and he wasn't getting a lot of help you know, from, from the coaches in some instances as well. There was that sequence early in the fourth quarter coming off of a situation where Stanford had just gotten the first down, a rare one, and had a little bit of extra time to decide. You know, the clock was stopped. You know, they had a little extra time to decide what they were going to try to do. And it looked like one play had been called, then killed. And then David Shaw is looking at his play sheet, and, and he's, he's, he's sending guys onto the field with 12 seconds left on the play clock. That, that was just mind-blowing watching that. And unfortunately, it, it had, you know, it, it reached back to the, the, the fiasco, the substitution fiasco up in Seattle last year. Jack West didn't get a lot of help. He didn't rise above the obstacles that were, that were placed in front of him, but there were also obstacles that, that, that you know, were, were, were put in front of him that weren't necessarily his own doing. And overall, offensively, it just didn't seem like the confidence was there. It just really didn't. It didn't seem like the pace and the tempo was there. Certainly not like it was with K.J. Costello at his healthiest. And not like it was starting to look with Davis Mills. It's a tough night. A tough night. Will K.J. or Davis be back for Arizona next week? Well, as David Shaw said, and as you heard earlier in the show, we'll see. We'll see. Well, the UCLA player that I was looking forward to watching most was Demetric Felton. Lightning. Four touchdowns of 75-plus yards. It can do it all as a running back, as a receiver, and as a returner. Big play ability from Demetric Felton. But against the Cardinal, he did next to nothing. 10 touches for 14 yards. That's it. That's it. And as a runner, he had seven carries for minus nine yards. That's hard to do as a running back. His longest rush was for one yard. Everything else went backwards. Seven carries for minus nine yards. Thomas Booker was a big reason for that as he helped bottle up Demetric Felton in a big-time way. Booker overall, very impressive. Six total tackles in the first half. Nine all told in the evening with two tackles for loss. Always great to catch up with Thomas Booker. And he began by giving us his takeaways from the night. Um, I think um, I think we did come out a bit slow. I think that things definitely started picking up. And we started to realize that, again, like if we execute the way we can on a regular basis, then there's no reason for them to be scoring on us or even having prolonged drives. And I think that you guys saw that. Um, as, the game, as the game progressed, it was three and outs, uh, fourth down stops, all of those sort of stuff. So I think a lot of it is confidence and just knowing you can dominate the guy across from you. And for us, it took a bit too long for us to get to that point. But again, we know how we can play as a defense and we execute well. So just getting there quicker. 
Demetrius Felton's is such a big play guy for the Bruins, so explosive, but he didn't really get anything on the ground. You had a big hand in that. What did it take to keep him uh, so contained, especially in the rushing category? I think a lot of uh, rush run defense is staying in your gap and not trying to be greedy and kind of going into other things and giving a running back a cutback lane or at least giving them a read to cut back somewhere else. So I think that we did a pretty good job of uh, staying in our gaps, knocking people back. And then once he did show in a hole, shedding and making a tackle. Um, so yeah, he definitely is a dynamic runner, but I feel like we did a pretty decent job of containing him just because we had pretty good gap integrity and we we're being physical and knocking people off the ball. What was the mood of the guys before the game and what's your sense of the mood of the guys right now? Um, I think before the game, we're obviously uh, juiced about playing a team like this, um, regardless of their record or anything like that. We know they have a very, very talented offense, um, and they, showed, they, they showcased that tonight. Uh, I think after the game, obviously, uh, the mood is not like, as shippy, um, but for sure, like, we do understand that, again, as a defense, we execute the way we should. There isn't any team that should be able to put points on us. So, again, we showcased that tonight as well. So I think the, the move for us is we have a work cut out for us. Um, you go back to the drawing board, you put your head down, and you get to work. You know, there's nothing, there's no substitute for that. In a sense, is this kind of a good dress rehearsal for facing Khalil Tate? He's so explosive and do so many great things as well. Is this kind of a good dress rehearsal and a good kind of a, uh, a good way to kind of prepare for him next week? I think I think it definitely is. Um, again, we have to we have to go sit down and watch the tape uh, to see like the similarities and differences. But again, two very very explosive athletic quarterbacks that can do a lot with the ball in their hands. Um, so he's going to be a great challenge for us as well. So I, I do think this is a pretty good dress rehearsal. But again, two different teams with different play styles and different schemes. So. Again, we're going to put the work in this week, get our heads in the tape, and we'll see what happens. Yep, here comes Khalil Tate. As, uh, we'll talk more about that in the next recast uh, next week when we preview uh, the Arizona Wildcats. But uh, Khalil Tate, who at some points this year has played like the 2017 version of Khalil Tate, which is to say lethal as a passer and just absolutely deadly as a runner. Not unlike the things that DTR can do for UCLA when, when he's truly into it. So, you know, you can look at it one or two ways. You could say that was a good dress rehearsal for Khalil Tate next week. But you could also look at it and say it wasn't a good dress rehearsal because DTR still made big-time plays. But they'll get another crack at a similar quarterback next week. Will the results be better? Who knows? Who knows? Let's go stock up, stock down. We do it after every Stanford football game. Uh, our unofficial game ball and our unofficial point of concern, I guess, in a sense. Let's start with stock up. And it goes to Ryan Sanborn, who suddenly we saw a lot of him in his normal role, but we saw a bit more of him after Jet Toner got hurt. And he did well in the kicking role. Handled the lone uh, point after that he was asked to uh, handle after uh, Stanford's uh, blocked punt for a touchdown. Stanford went for two after their, their final touchdown in the fourth quarter. But Sanborn handled that with relative ease. Had three kickoffs. Two of them went for touchbacks. Okay. All right. We saw entirely too much of him as a punter as he punted eight times, but, but did pretty well in that respect. So stock up goes to Ryan Sanborn, the punter, and now it appears potentially kicker as well for the Cardinal. What goes up? Must come down. It's time for Stock Down. 
I'll give it to the entire offensive line, especially coming after what it did against the Washington Huskies, really pushing those guys around uh, a couple weeks ago. But to go from that to not getting any push at all against UCLA and not getting much protection at all for Jack West, helping to keep him upright. Again, West did himself few favors, but he certainly wasn't getting help from the guys up front. Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, three true freshmen on the offensive line. We talked about this before, but, but still, you know, the performance that, that those guys, well, obviously mostly Henry Haddis in there, not Jake Hornerbrook, as Haddis got hurt in the third quarter of that one before Hornerbrook had to take over after uh, Haddis's injury. But still, the standard, the bar, which, given the personnel, a little on the low side, had still been raised after Washington. That bar went back down after that performance against UCLA. Certainly, there were a lot of candidates. This was a team loss for Stanford against UCLA. But stock down goes to the offensive line. You've got thoughts. I always welcome them. Best way to send them along is via Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast for your thoughts on Stanford football and the show. Hey, you like the program? Great. Tell me about it. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. You don't like the show? Tell me about it, and I'll do what I can to try to make it better. Uh, better a, a better listening experience for you. Now, I, I can't dictate whether the whether Stanford football wins or loses, all right? I can't guarantee uh, Stanford football winning, winning every week. I can't do anything about that. But certainly glad that uh, you are along with us, and I appreciate uh, all of your support and looking forward to continuing it uh, down the stretch, which certainly and suddenly looks cloudy again. And obviously, a, a lot is going to be based on the health of the quarterbacks uh, for Stanford, whether it's whether it's KJ Costello, whether it's Davis Mills. Um, pretty much, that's the key to the entire season right now for Stanford, who fall to three and four on the year, and are in desperate, desperate situations trying to stay in the bowl race. Won't be easy. Road trips to Colorado and Washington State. I've had that game circled as the key game of the year and then finishing up with Cal and Notre Dame, but it all begins with the Arizona Wildcats coming to town next week. Our next TreeCast will come to you probably on either Thursday or Friday of next week. It's it's a busy week for me. Uh, Pac-12 Network-wise, as mentioned, I got the uh, women's soccer game, Stanford-UCLA, coming up on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, Stanford Field Hockey, on the Pac-12 Network versus Cal. And then Wednesday, Stanford men's soccer versus uh, USF on the Pac-12 Network. So i got to save my voice. So I'm going to stop talking right now. Thank you to our guests, Jack West, Casey Tuhill, Thomas Booker. And thank you most of all to you for joining us on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Have a fantastic weekend. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clary. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.